0: Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode on the Just Joe podcast. My name is Joy and I'm so excited that you joined us today. Now I'm going to kick it off with just being honest with you guys. If this episode sounds different, there's a reason. My camera stopped working, my microphone stopped working, all of the things that you could think could go wrong to keep me from doing this podcast have gone wrong. But is that going to stop us from being obedient? No, no, it is not. It is currently 7.30 p.m. tonight, and I did not want to film this just because everything was coming against it, but I knew that what God's calling me to do is not just about me, it's about other people. So here I am talking to you now, and I'm very excited about our topic today. So let's just jump right in. We all know that Christmas is coming soon. I already literally decorated with my mom this morning, got that Starbucks peppermint mocha, all the fun things, and that makes us start thinking about the Christmas story and things like that. So today, we're going to jump into a little bit of the story of Mary and Joseph, the birth of Jesus. But we're not talking about it because it's the Christmas season. We're talking about it because I feel like there's something different that God showed me in this story that I have not seen before, and it has nothing to do with Christmas. So let's just jump right into the story and get started. The title of today's podcast is called, What Will You Do with the 594? You might be asking, What in the world does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked because we are going to talk about it today. The 594 is a number that not many people know about, not many people talk about, not many people reflect on. This number, 594, is one of the most important numbers in the Bible, or shall I say history. 594 miles is how long of a journey Mary and Joseph walked in order that the promise of the coming Messiah would be fulfilled. Today, I want to talk about the journey in between, the journey to your promise becoming fulfilled in your life, just the way that God told you that it would. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when God gives me a promise and He tells me of something that's to come, I often mentally just assume the path that the course to this promise will take. The one that makes the most sense, the one that's the fastest, the one that's more logical, the one that's less scary. Well, in God's book, sometimes it's not like that, and that can be really hard. It can build trust and dependency upon him, and I think that that's why it's like that. But there's something so beautiful about the journey that Mary and Joseph took to get to the promise. Their final destination was back in Israel. And I want to talk about all of the stops that they took along their journey because it wasn't just a straight shot. A lot of the times it's not a straight shot to our promise. And I just want to see the zigzag line of God's faithfulness that was charted by Joseph and Mary. So this story starts out in Nazareth. This is where Mary and Joseph lived, they're getting married, and all of a sudden there is a decree given by Caesar Augustus. You can see this in Mark chapter 2 if you want to study it, but there's a decree given by uh, Caesar Augustus, and he says that there needs to be a census sent out into the whole Roman Empire. This was not optional. This was the law. So Joseph being a man of his word, being someone who follows the commands to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to do what God has called you to do, to obey authority. He says, okay, like I have this woman who is my wife. She's pregnant. I have to protect this Messiah that's in her womb, but I need to follow the law. So this begins... Zigzag line number one, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This section of travel was to be four to five days of walking, 90 miles, about eight hours a day, but there was unpaved terrain, steep slopes, and tremendous changes in elevation as far as the road that they were traveling on. And with Mary being pregnant, they were strategically estimated to be able to walk 10 miles a day. So it probably took them about a week's journey, or about nine days, to make it from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this had nothing to do with the Messiah. Here Joseph is as the protector of this promise. And this has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus, to Joseph's mind, but spiritually so much is taking place. So much prophecy is being fulfilled and Joseph is only obeying the law. And that brings me to my first point. What you're doing day to day in order to honor the Lord might look like an ordinary thing, but is fulfilling the prophecy of a promise on your life given from long ago. There are so many things when you're in the Lord's will, when you're submitted to him, when you're not living from your flesh, but when you're living from the spirit, what you do moment to moment is ordained by the Lord. He ordains the steps of the righteous man. And I think a lot of the times we think when we're living everyday life, that those things are not as spiritual as the ones where God's like, go pray for this person, go move here, go do this. And we know that, okay, I'm following the Lord because he told me to do this, but he didn't tell me to go get coffee at that place. Like that was just me doing something like he didn't tell me to do these certain things, but. He moves through things we're not seeing when we're aligned with His will. Because when His Spirit is in you, and your thoughts become His thoughts, and His ways become your ways, then I find sometimes God' voice God's voice is almost like my thought pattern. And you have to be careful with that because, yes, you want to make sure it's the Lord, you want to pray about it, fast about it, all those things, but... I wouldn't second guess too much how much God can use your ordinary, mundane, everyday life of going to pay the taxes, of going to Caesar Augustus' decree all these miles away just to live everyday life and try to do your best to please the Lord. Like, God can use that more than you think. There's a fun story that I wanted to tell you guys that's going to be really quick, and It just shows how much God can use your ordinary day to confirm promises and prayers of other people, just like this was Joseph fulfilling prophecy, even though he thought he was just going for a census. So this story is about my mom and dad and how she knew that he was the one for her. My mom had just radically given her life to the Lord, was living for him, wanted to please him and do everything that he had called her to do. And my dad was doing the same thing. They met up with each other, started hanging out. It was getting more serious. And my mom had said this prayer before they were going to go out on a date one night. Lord, if he doesn't bring me 12 red roses, then I'm going to break up with him tonight. And if he does, I'll know that he's the one. And I don't know about y'all, but that's a pretty crazy prayer. But she was so wanting to please the Lord. She didn't want to get into anything that was not of him. So she prayed that. And my dad gets there. He gets out of the truck. He's going to go pick her up at the door. She opens the door. No red roses. Her heart sinks. She's thinking to herself, okay, how am I going to break up with this guy? They get in the truck and she's just like so upset, so upset, crying. Um, And he's like, okay, what is wrong with this girl? She must be having some problems or something because she looks awful right now. And he's like, what's wrong? And then she's like, nothing, you know? And he turns around to like look in the back window as he backs up. And as he does that, he reaches down and pulls out 12 red roses. My mom screams, starts crying. He's like, man, you really like flowers, you know? (laughs) But it was so much more than that. So much more was being fulfilled than what he could see. And I asked my dad later, and this is my very favorite part of the story. I asked my dad later on, did God tell you to get those roses? Like, what made you go and get those roses? And he said, I just had the thought come to my mind. And this just reminds me so beautifully about how God is working in your life, in your thought patterns, in, the, in those ways that seem normal, mundane, more than you think and more than you can see your visit to the coffee shop could be the answer to someone's prayer if you're open to what the Lord is doing in your life. And this just blew me away. So I can imagine that this is what Joseph was going through in his mind, that I'm going to pay this taxes. I'm going to be part of the census. I'm taking my wife. The Messiah is literally in her stomach. And I'm the protector of this baby. Like, I'm scared. Like, We need to be safe on our journey, like all these different things. But he was fulfilling a prophecy. And that prophecy is literally written in scripture. And it says that he will be born in Bethlehem. And when they get there in Bethlehem, Mary is ready to give birth. And if he had not obeyed the law, been faithful to the things he knows God's called him to do, but hasn't specifically said go pay the census. He was just doing regular day life, what God has called him to do, not in the moment, but just by law. And he was fulfilling prophecy. He was helping that promise come about by being faithful in the mundane. So this is our first zigzag moment of prophecy being fulfilled. So now the baby is born and Mary and Joseph are going to take him to the temple to go through the purification rites. Now, this is six miles to the temple, and that's not a lot, but it's a small zigzag, and it's just another ritual, another thing that was written that this is something you should do, and they were also fulfilling prophecy for another person by doing that. Little did they know that when they got to the temple, there would be a man there who had been praying his whole life, Lord, for me to see the Messiah. And God was like, you're going to see him before you die. And he comes walking in the temple that day to go through the purification rites. And that promise was fulfilled to that man while Mary and Joseph were just doing a regular mundane thing according to custom, according to law, according to what they knew God wanted them to do. And what you're doing now in between with your 594 is crucial. There's no pressure on you to make it come about, but living everyday life, maintaining that relationship with the Lord, learning his voice, those are the things that are gonna get you to the store to get the roses that God didn't tell you to get, but it just came to your thoughts. And all of those little things, they mean something. Your regular Tuesday means something. Your devotion on a Thursday at 2 20 p.m. because you didn't have time in the morning, that means something. The journey to your promise. The zigzag line that does not make sense. So we have this second zigzag line, which was six miles to the temple. And the next one is to Egypt. Now, there was a prophecy given long ago, and it says this out of Egypt I have called my son. Did Joseph and Mary know that there was that prophecy spoken about him? I do not know. But Assuming that they didn't, their everyday step of going to Egypt was fulfilling prophecy. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. So they're going to Egypt, as we can see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, that says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Talk about scared for your life. Literally, something is coming after my promise. I am the protector of this promise and something is out to get it. This brings me to another point about promises. And I think that sometimes when God gives us a promise, we're on that journey, our 594 miles, we're getting close to the middle of it and we're seeing signs of it, but something goes wrong. There is a threat, there is a hindrance, there is a blockade. And I find that a lot of the times, God will allow things to come against the promise so that we can see the power of that promise. For why would the enemy come against something that wasn't a threat? Why do you want to kill something that doesn't intimidate you? as king. You know that there is another coming king that will take your place, and he will be above every other king that has ever lived. So yeah, you want to kill that promise, because that promise pushes you out of your throne. In my own life, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, things have come against this promise. This is something that God promised me would happen, um, doing a podcast, and literally... My camera stopped working. My microphone stopped working. All the reasons to not keep going, to not do it. But here I am recording on my laptop just because I know that God wants this word to go out into the earth to all of you. So Joseph did the same thing. He got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of my Egypt, I have called my son. And that's Matthew chapter two. So Joseph and Mary, they're holding tight. They're in Egypt, which does not seem like a comforting place, a place that is marked by slavery. And this is whom Jesus was for. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel. Now we're starting another zigzag line, guys. It doesn't end in Egypt. And he says, for those who were trying to take the child are now dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, went out to the land of Israel. And here is another zigzag line. But when he heard that, I'm going to try to say this, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in a place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, which is the town of Nazareth. So this is the end of our zigzag line of the birth of Jesus. Gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem, to, to Egypt, then to Israel, and now Galilee. I don't know about you guys, but if I were Joseph, I would start to believe Lord, where is your goodness? Where are you going to come through? When is this journey going to end? I feel like I'm going back and forth and back and forth from this thing to that thing, running to, running from, staying put, all of these different cycles that their family had to go through in this season. I can imagine that on this journey, Joseph could have looked at other families, seeing them playing happily as a family together and knowing that this wasn't even his son by blood, I can imagine he was asking himself, God, when is the good going to happen for me? When is your faithfulness going to come through? When am I going to see your faithfulness in one moment rather than gradually over this huge zigzag line? And this brings me to another point. When it comes to God's promises in our life and looking at what other people have and that making our season bitter sometimes, and it's this, stop believing the lie that you're the exception to God's goodness just because it looks like everyone has received their blessing except you. God's timing is perfect, and I know that a lot of these things can sound cliche, but Forgetting all things, all the things in this life, considering them as garbage and knowing that nothing is worth the surpass, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When he's the one you look to, when he's the one you spend time with and you get to know him in his heart, then the promises become second. They become second. A lot of the times the promises that God gives us can become an idol in our life, when we put the fulfillment of them above our relationship with the Lord, of how much he means to us, going back to the basics, back to the cross, back to the blood that he shed for us and being grateful for those things. Your perspective determines the seasoning on your season. The promises you have been given is like a raw piece of chicken. Okay. And what you do with your 594 miles, determines the seasoning you put on that bad boy. Like, are you going to eat it raw and plain? You can either be still and know that he is God, or you can be stale and wonder if he will be God. He has plans for you, and he wants the season to be well-seasoned. And that is your choice. Joseph had to daily choose to walk and step with the righteous, not to sit, stand, In the company of mockers, or to be with the wicked, to associate with those things of the world, he had to go against the grain. He had to make that zigzag line, not the straight one of the world. He had to walk the narrow way that leads to righteousness and the fulfillment of those promises over someone else's life. Joseph had nothing to do with this baby. He didn't help it grow, he couldn't stop it from growing, but he was in charge of his actions in the going. In the in between, he was the guardian of a promise. And I think that a lot of the times we can become so possessive over our promise that we don't possess the promise. And I have to ask myself this question What if I'm an Abraham? What if God gives me millions of promises and I am the one that talks about them, that pushes toward them, but It's generations after me that see their fulfillment. Am I willing to be an Abraham when it comes to a promise? Am I willing to give up seeing it if that's where God has me? And that can be a very painful and grieving process. Kind of like Isaac. That was his son that was promised from long ago. But he had to sacrifice that thing on the altar. He had to be willing to kill it, be willing to let it go to not be so possessive over the promise so that he could possess it. The Lord wanted to know, okay, I have your heart more than this promise has your heart. I mean, guys, how different would we treat the miles in between if we actually saw our promises in a physical form like Joseph did Mary's womb? Like, oh my goodness, a lot of the times when something great happens one day, we're filled with joy, and as we should be, because we're seeing the fulfillment of a promise. But I want to be as joyful and as faith-filled in the dark and in the dungeon like Joseph when I am interpreting dreams of other people before my dream comes to be. And I'm just like wanting that. I want to see that happen in my life where I don't have to see the growth of my promise in order to go until I see my promise. Like, I might not have a womb in front of me, but I have a God within me. And he says, this Messiah will come. This promise will come. And there's a verse in the Bible that, um, let me see. I think it's found in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. And it says, I discovered this verse not too many months ago, and it just means so much to me because how many times, like, if you think about it, I know I live in Alabama. I don't know about where you are, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that it, it is going to rain again in Alabama. I am sure of that. And if I can be sure of that, Jesus right here in his word, he is comparing that to how his word, when he gives us his word, that it will not return void just as much as the rain is sure to come. Just as much as you know, okay, it's going to rain probably again within the next week, within the next month. That's how sure I should be about God's word being fulfilled in my life. These were the same things that Joseph and Mary had in front of them. I don't know if they knew of these prophecies, but I'm sure that they did if they were in you know, the Old Testament, but he had these three prophecies. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. He will be born in Bethlehem, and he shall be called a Nazarite. Now, I can imagine in his brain, okay, the only thing I know is I'm supposed to go to this census thing, and now the baby's being born. Okay, that makes sense. He will be born in Bethlehem. But out of Egypt I will call my son, and he shall be called a Nazarite? Lord, the easiest way to get to Bethlehem, to get to Nazareth, all these things is this one straight line. But Joseph, he probably didn't see the zigzag. And a lot of the times, there's a zigzag line between where we are and where a promise is fulfilled in all of its complexity. So, what do you do when you have a whole bunch of promises? and a mind that can't comprehend their fulfillment. Joseph didn't fulfill the promises of God. He gave God his obedience so that God could. God will uphold his character fine on his own. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He wants us to have a front row seat to faithfulness. He wants us to have stories to share with others who are struggling. In the same way I compared this to the flower story with my parents, that was a story on a part of their promises being fulfilled, and I got to share it with you guys. Now, how does that translate? Oh my goodness, there is something so interesting about a zigzag line. A lot of us, we are asking God, make my story beautiful, make my story interesting, All of these different things and at the same time, we're expecting the journey to be easy. But I don't know about you guys, the coolest stories are the craziest ones. And if you want an interesting story to share, then embrace the zigzag lines. Embrace the 594 miles. These stories that you want to share with people who are in need. You need to be in a place where you're in need of God if you want to help those who need God. Like, you can't relate to somewhere you haven't been. And he is giving seasoning to your season, guys. He is making it flavorful and interesting, and that is something beautiful to celebrate in. That doesn't mean you don't have to grieve the trail you thought that your promise would take those opportunities that looked like open doors, but really were just a distraction and they weren't really God's plan for your life. It's okay to grieve those doors. Those doors were beautiful. They were interesting. They were tempting, but the door that God has for you is so specific to your design. Now you might not have been supposed to be called from Bethlehem or called a Nazarite or out of Egypt, but there is something so specific on your life. Just like it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand, that we should walk in them. That means that there are prophecies so to speak, over you that you were meant to fulfill as God's vessel from the moment that you were born. And when you give your heart to Jesus and you say, I am laying down my life, my will, for your will, your way, your thoughts, then you are walking in step to the fulfillment of those promises. What are you going to do with your 594? What are you going to do in that time? Will your perspective taint your season or make your season? What kind of seasoning will season this season for you? It is meant to be beautiful. It is meant to be lovely and That doesn't mean that there's not suffering. That doesn't mean that you won't grieve, like I said. It doesn't mean that you won't have heartbreak, moments of resentment, moments of feeling bitter, but you get to choose. Okay, this might not be the straight line I saw for my life, God, but I will say yes to stepping toward Bethlehem. The first line, the zigzag line. I don't have to know all the different parts of this journey, but all I need to know is that your eyes are right there for me to look at, that I'm not going to put this promise above you, but you are first on the throne of my heart. If there are moments where you're feeling bitter, where you're feeling like you're grieving or you're resentful, all these different things toward the promises of God in your life and why they won't stink and come true, it literally feels like you're pulling a tooth. Well, then maybe you're doing too much on your own. It's not meant for you to pull a tooth. Literally, this is God's workmanship, we are His workmanship. And he created us to do these things. He wants them to come to pass. He is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. And he will see them to their fulfillment. He is not a God that he should lie. And we just need to trust him. Because he's going to come through as sure as the rain. So wherever you are in this season of your life, I just speak blessing over you. I just speak peace over you. And those promises that you have been fighting with, I just see like Jacob, you know, when he was wrestling with God for the fulfillment of something. He his hip was broken. And maybe in this moment you need to be broken of your own strength and realize that God's the one fighting for you. And he just wants you to look at him. When was the last time you had a moment when you just looked at him? When you didn't ask about the promise, pray about the promise all these different things, when you were just with him to be with him and say, God, I love you. God, I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad that you've never forsaken me and that you see the promise. You see the end of this zigzag line better than I can see the beginning of it. Like I'm intimidated by what I don't even see. Lord, show me your way. Just being with him satisfies all our needs. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. All these things includes the promises of God. Why would he give you the promise of something that he himself didn't want to be fulfilled? A lot of the times we forget that he wants that promise to come to pass just as much as we do. And even more so because he has good things planned. He does not withhold a good thing from those who love him. So wherever you are today, know that God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And he is going to see these promises to come to pass in your life. Whatever it is of a son or a daughter coming home, giving their life to Jesus. If it's this opportunity that God told you that will come. If it's a child that you will conceive. Whatever it is, God is the one to bring it to pass. Surrender to him today and watch him work. All right, you guys that is it for this episode what will you do with the 594 i love you guys and remember it's nothing fancy it's just joke